Hello, and welcome to the Travel Japan with Wes Mather podcast. In this series, we explore living, working, studying, and of course, traveling in Japan. I hope to inform you on how to travel smart, safe, and with confidence, all while hopefully having an amazing time abroad. Everything you hear will be based off of my personal experiences, research, and experiences of others that I know. I'm your host, Wes Mather, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening, and now let's begin. Hello and welcome to season one, episode nine of the Travel Japan with Wes Mather podcast. Joining me here today is our co-host Brandon Bates. How are you today, Brandon? I am perfect as always. Good to hear. Can't complain. Yeah, 2021 is chugging along. So this week we will be talking about school clubs in Japan. Um, but before that kicks off, we are going to go into our usual weekly segment of news that has been taking place in Japan. All you right. wanted to start off uh, with the first segment, the first news segment. Sounds like a plan. The first news, news segment goes to uh, a charity drive that has helped a lot of students in Ibaraki. And this is a news segment that I very much enjoyed reading. I think it was very touching and also very topical. So jumping right into it, uh, A plus in kindness for uh, Tsubaka University donating over 19 tons of food to students during the pandemic. That is a uh, university in Ibaraki. And basically, due to the pandemic and lockdown, so many uh, retail and food service jobs have shut down all over Japan and that is a, uh, a, a field of work that is overwhelmingly occupied by students students getting part-time jobs in retail and food service to support themselves while they are studying so that has been a huge dent in the wallets of many students across Japan and uh, very much noticeably so in uh, Tsukuba University. So what they have done about that is host a food drive, basically to initially just help out some of the students if they could. However, it grew into something much, much larger than many of them could have anticipated. And mm-hmm. in the end, yeah, uh, they managed to raise uh, 19 metric tons of food for their students, which is out of metric units. That would be uh, over 41,000 pounds of food for students. And uh, this is not just like canned food or like kind of emergency rations. Uh, Companies, farms, uh, many of the teachers as well too rallied together, which I thought was very touching, to supply um, rice, eggs, snacks, desserts, and um, instant ramen, of course, and seasoning Mm -hmm. for all this food for uh, many of their students. I think it was a very amazing show of generosity. Uh, They have fresh vegetables. A local farm donated uh, over 500 heads of cabbage. Um, actually, over a thousand heads of cabbage, if you count the the Chinese form of cabbage, they have two. Uh, wow. We have, yeah, um, local chains of liquor stores and convenience stores donated a ton of snacks, uh, a ton of chocolate bars. So you know, you're not That's just like gonna... a full warehouse of food, man. Yeah, like a yeah. full warehouse of food. That's insane. Exactly, without a doubt. Um, they have they have rice and they have uh, fresh eggs. They have over a hundred. Uh, and two, uh, 1,200 cartons of fresh eggs containing 10 eggs each. And so basically, this drive was kind of impromptu. They didn't really expect news coverage. They didn't really expect anything in return. But the fact that so many companies and indi- individuals came forth to donate uh, made headlines, made uh, a big dent in Twitter, and also fed all the students, which was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, they told the students basically to show up with their student ID to receive a care package. And the food was so abundant that they actually told students in a uh, second email to bring a roller suitcase if possible so that they could carry all the food back. <laughs> Take them. it with them, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, truly a, dis- a touching display of kindness, I thought, which was great. Uh, and then it says in the um, news article, warming the hearts and stomachs of students, which is fantastic. And a good amount of my friends in Japan here are students now too. Uh, I haven't heard anyone uh, vocalizing their lack of food to me personally, but I mean that's just a lot of them don't want to complain. I think, and I think it's fantastic that they now can eat because uh, I know a lot of my friends here have lost their part-time jobs which mm-hmm. is rough when you're on your own paying rent and feeding yourself through your studies and they're great photos just of boxes and boxes of food filling up the warehouses and I was very glad to hear about this people banding together to forge through this pandemic as a community yeah looks like the uh, supermarket chain uh, Kasumi <laughs> donated four tons of noodles could you imagine Wonderful. having that many noodles <laughs> I can't. I cannot. I would like to, but I cannot. <laughs> like, you got to think about that. Noodles aren't that heavy. <laughs> nope. No, that's a very good point, actually. So four tons four of noodles. Four tons is, of noodles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just size-wise, that's a big chunk of that. Um, <laughs> Lots of that eggs, initial, noodles. Yeah. Uh, everything. It's great. Yeah, it's not. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely not just canned food. They've got literally everything that you can think of 
that these students could take home and feed not only just themselves, but also if they have family members that were not doing too good during the pandemic or their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool, tons. man. I think so. And, I, you know, fingers crossed that this will set an example for other similar be- um, events to take place all over Japan and really all over the world. I think this is inspiring. And yeah, man. hopefully the impact. Mm-hmm. Warming the stomachs of many students <laughs> and warming the right. hearts of ours. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel it. I'll post the photos of this on Twitter af- I- afterwards because just the visualization of what 19 metric tons actually is in food is quite quite a sight. Mm-hmm. that they have here so i'm excited about that and uh now would we like to move on to our second topic of news brandon absolutely Very so cool. it does look like uh japan may extend their state of emergency mm-hmm. um japan officials and the government are uh, probably going to push the state of emergency a little bit further um it says that roughly 11 prefectures are currently under effect they started on uh january 7th they're probably they were probably they were wanting to keep it going until about february 7th but they might push it back further uh they haven't Mm -hmm. confirmed a date as to how much farther back they're going to extend the state of emergency for these 11 prefectures more of the more densely populated areas um but it is under consideration that is something they are more than likely going to do it just varies on the number of growing cases of COVID 19 um and they haven't really said much more about whether or not they're going to open up the border sooner than they originally said um or extend the time period in which they wanted to keep the borders closed yet i guess that's going to be more closer to that time that we'll figure that out but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to be said about this article other than the fact that if you were hoping that if you were living in Tokyo or Kyoto or Osaka and you wanted February 7th to be that day to <laughs> chill out on the hardcore, you know, rules they're putting in place for you, well, the state of emergency is going to continue on a little bit further. They just don't have a date yet. Um, yep. But to be fair, it hasn't been 100% confirmed yet because they haven't given us the expiration date. It may still be February 7th. So, again, it really do- does just matter as to when these rising numbers, where they're going to be here within the next week as to whether or not they're going to keep pushing it further. Because February 7th is right around the corner. It's like that a it week is. and a half away. So, Yeah. That will but, come up quick. But yeah, that seems to be all I can say about this one for sure. It's short and sweet, but not so sweet at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah it is unfortunate. Uh, the pandemic here was declining rapidly until winter. There are some people that speculate uh, some factors that the pandemic could have increased here uh, in its uh, density, basically because a lot of ventilation that was taking place on trains and buses for public transportation, having the windows open during the riots can't be done during winter because people will just freeze. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, the past couple weeks, especially Tokyo, did just declare a state of emergency because of a huge spike in daily cases and deaths too from the pandemic. So state of emergency was declared there. Uh, after the state of emergency was put into place, which definitely limits the amount of transportation that can take place for people, uh, more work would be either done remotely or canceled and uh no events without a doubt um the the cases daily cases were dropping significantly after that but not significantly enough to lift the uh state of emergency after it was planned to expire so that's unfortunate i i had so many plans in tokyo this past year which have all been canceled but you know safety first and whatever <laughs> yeah. hey think of all of us who had plans to just visit japan in general Fair. <laughs> we Good all point. have to sit here and wait for your borders to open you just gotta <laughs> wait to go to tokyo in a couple weeks fair point i'll be i'll be <laughs> counting my blessings you won't catch me you get to look out your window and see what we're all waiting for so <laughs> yeah no true enough there true is enough. that there is that yeah yeah safety first you know when and whenever when the vaccine shoots out, that should be a beacon of hope for anybody hoping to travel, hoping just to get back to work, and hoping to feel safe again in society. So yeah, that's short and sweet, short and not so sweet, I suppose. But um, that's it. State of emergency in Tokyo and several of the prefectures extending, most likely, past this month. And uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for our second topic of news. Should we go on to number three? Absolutely. Very cool. So this one is a uh, a nationwide um 
change of the legal age of adulthood from 20 down to 18, which covers not all, um, not all rights of adulthood, but a majority of them. So, uh, as opposed to um, 18 in the U.S., which many people, listeners, may be familiar with, you become an adult, you are able to uh, get a credit card, you are able to get a job without parents' permission, and you are able to rent an apartment. That age has been 20 in Japan. Uh, also, which is the legal ink drinking age, the legal age you can buy tobacco and gamble. However, um, the main reason that this amendment to the constitution changing this from 20 in Japan to 18 has been put into place is that a lot of uh, students who graduate high school in Japan at age 18 or 17, 17 yeah, yeah uh, they can't get an apartment, uh, a credit card, oftentimes not even a job without their parents. Or even a bank loan mm-hmm. for, for yeah. college. Like, mm-hmm. exact, exactly. They still have to rely on their parents until they're 20 for all of that stuff. Very true, and um, especially it says here some students who may not have the best rela- relationship with their family, with their parents. This can be a major setback with de- becoming independent after high school. Um, mm-hmm. Many people, as opposed to pursuing further education, go decide to go right into the workforce after high school. And you know, I think that's a fine choice. I think to each their own. I don't think there's a blanket statement which is the best choice for any young person. Uh, so, but they're set at, at a disadvantage because even if they are making the money and able to pay for themselves, they really are, they were limited. And that is a major reason for this change to the, um, this amendment to the constitution. So I think that's a positive. They do poll, uh, many high school students, whether or not they think this is going to be a, uh, positive, have a positive effect on society or a negative effect. Uh, it seems, uh, most people do think it will be positive. 48% think it will be positive and, uh, 33 are undecided, 15 think it is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a friend, Yuta, a really good friend, who d- did go right into construction work after high school, great guy. And uh, he, I remember hearing him complain too that it was so difficult, uh, exactly what you said, Brandon, getting a loan uh, for him to get his motorcycle and his apartment right after he graduated high school. Yeah, and you can't even get a credit card or a line of credit mm-hmm. until you're 20, which, or unless you're like signed on by it under your parents name as well uh yeah mobile phone contracts that says uh, oh, as it yeah. states here mobile phone mm-hmm. contracts you couldn't get your own phone line mm-hmm. ridiculous uh until you're 18 yeah. in america you can just buy like uh you don't even have to be a certain age you can just buy a cheap flip phone or whatever right smartphone Very from true. A walmart and get a prepaid card you know they don't care here about how old you mm-hmm. are to get a mobile line but yeah um i think that also has something to do with like a line of credit you know mm-hmm. yeah you might exactly. have to get a line of credit um uh-huh. financial accountability and it could also another one that it says is uh it allows you at the age of 18 to undergo um sex conversation treatment yeah um, exactly which i think is also something that could be crucial so without a doubt and especially uh with a lot of japanese though older generations being more traditional i think becoming 18 and wanting to go- undergo a sex conversion uh treatment would would definitely be something that if you do need your parents to sign off on that that would be probably a point of contention for a lot of families so i think this is a positive in many many situations and it doesn't change everything uh still to gamble to buy tobacco and to buy alcohol you still have to be of the age of 20 uh mm-hmm. similar to the age of 21 in the states so i think it's a pretty solid solid move and um a big thing is, uh, a huge thing here actually, is a coming of age ceremony, which is when you turn 20, uh, you have a big celebration with everyone in your hometown. A lot of my friends always were excited about that, going back to their hometown, meeting everyone they grew up with, and dressing in Japanese traditional clothing, mainly for girls and for guys. You put on a suit, you just celebrate, we're adults now, we can hang out. Um, I I was reading up on that, I don't know if that's going to be changed, I think because that's a point of tradition, it's going to stay the same, because that's also when you can drink, and that seems to be a fairly big part of that. Uh, yeah celebration that was four days ago actually so i feel my heart goes out to all of the uh people unable to celebrate that this year due to the pandemic unfortunate timing but again yeah that is definitely one of the big celebrations every year is Mm -hmm. when everyone because that's what that's how they do it right it's 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 not like everyone celebrates their 20th birthday everyone celebrates like a certain time of the year for people turn 20 that year to celebrate their 20th birthday Uh it's really cool yeah Um, it's a great thing i was always kind of it's so unlike anything that would be be done in america for sure oh yeah absolutely uh-huh and getting a bit off topic with this culture but you hit on a good point uh i've never like heard this explicitly said but i have noticed being here in japan a lot of my friends don't have a huge birthday celebration for themselves mm-hmm. um it's a bit more low-key i don't know exactly the cultural uh, reasons for why that is however the fact that once everyone does turn 20 and can drink alcohol they have this huge 
uh, celebration, largely set up by, uh, you know, people from the city. It just seems like the coolest event. My friends have the best time at that usually. It's kind of, it's also similar, seems similar to what a prom might be for many people uh, uh, in gotcha. high school. It's kind of like a, a rite of passage. People drink for the first time. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Legally, Probably not for the first Legally, legally for, the for the first time. Because, I mean, in Japan, yeah. you can literally go to, like, any vending machine, and they don't even, like, you don't even have to scan your ID to get booze out of it, you know? Very you can true, buy, yeah. You can literally buy beer out of vending machines, and they just they just trust you because that's how trustful their society is like they're Very like true. we'll just assume that you're old enough to drink if yeah. you decide that you're gonna buy this you know yeah uh -huh. um if something like that was to even exist in america they would make sure that you scanned the bottom of the backside of your you know id to show your uh -huh. age and everything and yeah um it would load it up into their computer and Right? Tell you whether or not you can buy that beer out of a vending machine, but no. Not no. to mention, I feel like those vending machines would just be carted off in someone's truck, like stolen oh, in the middle yeah. of the night, within a week. Absolutely, <laughs> it's just—it's not logical. It's not logical. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> I do a lot have of my to ask uh -huh. though, like in mm -hmm. in America, um, mm -hmm. you know, turning the age of eighteen is also for adult adult content, such as you know, ah. the obvious pornography and such so yeah like, hentai mm -hmm. and such like stuff like that mm. would uh -huh. you be able to go to like adult stores or hentai manga stores at the age I of 18 don't know don't for sure that. so when you buy alcohol at a uh, convenience store you press a button that says you're of the age of 20 and also mm -hmm. not that i know this from experience but when you buy an adult magazine at a convenience store you just have to press the same button uh, I didn't read in the article if that has changed. I'm assuming that's along still gonna be 20, but the fact remains I don't think they're very strict, but I think it's on the honor system as far as yeah. I'm aware. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I wonder if that's gonna be 20 years old as well if they're gonna Interesting. push push that kind of adult content. I'll ask my friends. Yeah, random fact, this is something that did surprise me about Japan when I first came here. They do have adult magazines, or they did, in every single convenience store right out there in the open. That changed only last year uh, because of the 2020 Olympics that were supposed to be held. They didn't uh... want that image to be... Uh, to, they, since a lot of foreigners were going to come in and have their first, exp, uh, I guess, first ex impression of Japan, didn't want to have that whole section that used to be out there mm -hmm. the convenience stores. So that's... that's Makes that you wonder out. if it's going to convert back then. Because who's to say they can't? Because we didn't discuss this. They did cancel the Olympics again. Yeah. Did you did you yeah. read that? Yeah. So we uh -huh. we didn't get to discuss this yet because I think they just mentioned it or they just announced it like last week. But they did. Mm -hmm. Japan did decide that they're going to cancel the Olympics again for 2021. Yeah. Unfortunately, and yeah. I mean uh -huh. obviously we can understand why, but um, that's uh, are they even going to host the Olympics at this point? You know the the we can hope. Japanese government invested so much money into the infrastructure in all these cities and mm. uh, marketing and rebuilding these, you know, small businesses and big businesses, almost from the ground up in some cases, to yeah. cater towards foreigners for mm -hmm. the Olympics. So it's everything just going to kind of convert back to how it was because it's just been pushed yeah. back for so long. I don't One know, can man. only speculate. One can we'll only see. Speculate. We will. Uh huh. Not to mention all the merchandise. It's dev it was really financially devastating to so many companies. Uh, hotels built uh, extra buildings to ac accommodate all the travelers they were expecting. Um, so many brands. Shout out Tokyo 2020 Olympic merchandise. That yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's and so think of how many like bars and restaurants that had no issues with people like smoking c cigarettes and cigars and stuff indoors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, like kind of converted that out so that. Yeah. It was uh -huh. prepared for the Olympics as well. That was um, another law that was passed in mm -hmm. 2020. Uh -huh, so exactly. who knows Big if change. they're just going to... I'm sure there's still a lot of small mom and dad, you know, pubs and stuff and uh, rural uh -huh. areas else in Japan that don't I give a shit so. about that law. They're just yeah. still smoking indoors. But um, we'll see <laughs> for sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> that we will, yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah, a bit of a tangent, but I think that's an, an interesting topic and topical to touch upon as well. And uh, do you want to jump on to our last um, last topic of news? Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Let me just pull that up real quick, actually. This one's a bit different. This one was interesting. This one's pretty fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So this one, there's apparently a trio of thieves that broke into a Japanese glasses store. Glasses? Um, mm -hmm. And they were foiled by the old-timey cash register. So they got, like, this uh, antique, big, heavy, you know... 
old American cash register that they used at this glasses store that stored all of their cash, all of their money. And Japan um, is a cash-heavy society. They don't have credit cards and stuff at most mm -hmm. places still. So these machines, they had... Like they were built into the table, you know. It's not something they can just pick up. Even if they could pick that thing up off the table, that thing is heavy, man. I couldn't imagine how heavy that thing is, especially with the weight of the coins and stuff that's in it as well. But they yeah. would have. But yeah, I guess they broke in, and they were able to, you know, s steal uh, over a hundred luxury um, glasses frames and such, which. Rounded up to about 5 million yen, so about 50,000, 48,000, 50,000 US dollars worth. And, but all the cash, all the money that they had was still unscathed, untouched inside that register. And it's kind of cool too, because that register alone is worth more than all the money and glasses frames that they had combined <laughs> in that store. Yeah. So if they were able to steal anything, that register probably would have been the thing that would have made them the most money <laughs> so yeah i just thought mm -hmm. i just thought that was really funny that right. three people decided hey i'm gonna go rob this place i'm gonna try and steal uh money out of the register they saw what was there and they're like uh yeah we're not gonna steal anything out of that and then uh -huh. only a couple days later they were picked up on you know it says here that uh police are currently using roadside surveillance cameras to track them so um but it's more than likely they got picked up already because mm -hmm. there's already suspects. So yeah, it, they got CCTV. And mm -hmm. honestly, I, I, I don't think it's going to be easy to get away with something like that. I don't believe so. so. Yeah. As far as I've seen here, uh, the Japan police force do not mess around when it comes to uh, crime. Anything, even anything that like bordering on violent crime, like a, a burglary. And mm -hmm. that... For any listeners, by the way, who didn't see the video, uh, that is an archaic-looking register. That was amazing. Just think, <laughs> steampunk straight out of the, I don't know, Wild West. That looked like it was made of some sort of like cast iron. I'm not sure. Like a t with typewriter buttons. That was cool. I'm gonna post that. We'll post photos of that as well too on the Twitter and Discord. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that thing is a beast. <laughs> I wouldn't. Word. I couldn't imagine like literally being a robber, breaking, you know, burglar showing up and be like, um, right. Yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> We're not taking no joke that. There. We're not taking We're... that out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Right? Yeah. That's that right where it is. For Just grab crime, some frames and let's go. Right? <laughs> where would you even resell those frames? <laughs> I don't know. To get their Again, market like, value. <laughs> I feel like it's such so tricky to get away with crime in Japan. This is one of the few uh, crime news stories we have covered, but it's... I yeah, it's because it's, it's funny. Most crime yeah. stories that you get in Japan <laughs> tend to be just funny, outrageous, something you... Right? <laughs> just, and I think... I don't know, man. And it's you got to think, too, like... There is so little crime because of how serious the punishment is for crime in Japan. Exactly. Uh -huh. That it happens so little that whenever it does happen, the police are like, yay, something to do. So, they jump on board. Yeah, uh -huh. they take it so hard, hardcore serious. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, my friend is a uh, police officer in Kyoto. We went to university together. He graduated the force there. He just says, you know, he's like a huge buff guy, did rugby all through university, really intense. Uh, he was telling me all about and he had like gun training and stuff during his uh, university time But now he says his daily work is helping kids find the way to like when they're lost or helping tourists Find a location and he, he doesn't even carry a gun day to day. It just so his daily work as a full um, Police officer is just almost little interaction at all with crime and I'm, I'm sure they're different like you know different forces different task forces that hand, handle more intense stuff, but <laughs> I think it's, uh, especially because there's such low gun violence in Japan, um, I think whenever something like this does happen in Japan, they send their full force against uh, the perpetrators. So, yeah, fingers crossed they catch those people. As comical as it is, it's unfortunate for the, uh, the owner of the store. Yeah. Uh -huh. And to be fair, to um, it, it does suck that that happened. Uh -huh. But most of these businesses are insured by what they have. Mm. So even yeah, if they that. have a loss, it's usually covered by their insurance. Yeah. Um, when I see stuff like this happen, even uh, unless it's like a mama papa shop that, um, unfortunately, but they did say it was luxury frame. So I'm assuming it was somewhat of a change. Um, yeah, I would imagine. So 
And mad respect, yeah, mad respect to the owner of that shop too for just going the extra mile to get such an expensive, unnecessary cash yeah. register. It's, well, they're probably old owners, and they just probably had that thing uh, laying around, and they're like, hmm, pull that thing out enough. of the basement, clear the dust off of it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's 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 use this guy here. <laughs> I can see that being the case. We also have no all. idea where in Japan because I didn't read it uh, where mm -hmm. it was. I, I didn't see either. Maybe we could read that later, but uh, yeah, mm. who knows where it was in Japan, and it could have been mm. one of those prefectures that are mostly elderly that walk around with cash mm. in their pockets. Who knows? Ah, uh, could be the case. Yeah. And with that, I believe we have wrapped up our new segment. Do you have anything yep. else to add, Brandon? All nah. right. No, that was just <laughs> very cool. Fun. That was a fun story, though. I agree. I agree. So now we are going to jump into our main segment. And this week, as I mentioned previously, we will be discussing Japanese school clubs, which were actually a central part of my entire immersion process in Japanese culture, I believe, as a student. Um, and just getting right into it, uh, school clubs operate the same way many school clubs would probably operate in the States. If anyone is a university student, has been a university student or a high school student, they will probably be familiar with that. Students bond together, uh, group together over um, similar interests, uh, sports, photography, hiking, what you may have. However, I believe in Japanese university, they do pay, uh, play a much larger part in the social lives of many students. Uh, it could be for several reasons, but there's um, off, there are no sororities or fraternities in Japanese universities for the for, uh, main thing. So uh, Japanese clubs, circles, and uh, semis, which is like a seminar, it's something else I'll get into, are basically the main kind of structured social gatherings that they have in Japanese universities and these were so much fun for me so I think I'll be talking about that today and then Brandon if you have anything you want to add or any questions just feel free to, to ask about all those things absolutely and I probably will <laughs> very cool so I'm just gonna start by defining what those terms I just said are uh, a school club bukatsu is the word for that in Japanese is probably the main word that many people would associate uh, a club with in the states however um Actually, in Japan, a circle, sakuru, is what a school club would most likely uh, translate into. Circle, a circle would be uh, bonding more casually over an in interest. They have uh, sports circles that do pickup games for tennis, basketball. A uh, photography or hiking circle, like I mentioned, would kind of casually meet weekly to uh, pursue one's hobbies, maybe have events, maybe uh, have like a, a gallery of photography every once in a while. A club, which translates into bukatsu in Japanese, is much more serious actually. The memberships cost a fair, about, uh, a fair amount more, and they often have um, membership that can actually be penalized if you meet, uh, miss events, and you can actually be kicked out of these if you do miss events. And many of these do have um, pretty heavy uh, implications too in a resume uh, once you graduate uh, that could also be career-oriented. So uh, that is the same with a zemi, which uh, translates to seminar, and those are mainly um, con mainly consist of students that have the same major. Uh, so zemis would be a business zemi or a uh, political science zemi or an English major zemi. So students of the main that basically have the same major can meet there, oftentimes with alumni and professors that teach in that seminar, uh, going out for drinks and food and talking about how they can best uh, pursue their career goals. Uh, as a group uh, with the guidance of people that have done so previously and the guidance of their professors over food and drinks. However, I'm mainly going to be talking about uh, clubs and circles because that is what my experience was from. And then, uh, yeah, to contradict um, or to contrast the, the clubs, the bukatsu, a circle is very casual. Circles mainly only have a uh, social kind of implement implementation. And joining these, were, for me, was probably the way I made my best friends as an exchange student and the way I learned the most about how Japanese uh, society works as far as uh, how senpais and senior students kind of react with kohai or uh, the newer students. I um, was very fortunate, I think, the first time I came to study abroad in Japan for joining uh, the clubs I jo the circles I joined, which are more casual clubs again. I joined the basketball circle and then I joined a uh, tennis circle, which were actually sports I didn't have that much interest into. Uh, and actually, the process of joining clubs and circles is nothing that any of our counselors or advisors talked about. They talked about we had explicit instructions on how to best find apartments and housing coming to Japan. We had great instructions on how to um, go about student life and study and stuff like that, how to find resources as students. But I think it's not really part of the curriculum for exchange students because it has the potential to be a huge distraction. And also it's a little bit difficult to take part in these circles as a, as a foreign student. Sometimes I wouldn't say difficult, but 
again, if you don't know how the senpai kohai culture kind of works, um, yeah. I think sometimes it's not really part of a general exchange student's uh, curriculum within what is set by the teachers. However, I do think it is a pillar of um, just information. So I those student clubs, first of all, you go there, you have a... Uh, I joined the tennis club basically because... Um, a student that I was helping learn their helping with their English circle was a part of the club sorry the circle and they invited me and uh, I was really nervous I was kind of very shaky on my Japanese language uh, practice and I was kind of like looking for excuses not to go however the fact that I went there everyone was welcoming uh, you kind of stand all in a circle when there's a new member and you have to do your Jiko Shokai, your self-introduction in Japanese. That was another thing that made me so nervous. But right off the bat, everyone was extremely welcoming, extremely kind. And then we just jump into a similar hobby, playing sports together, playing basketball or tennis. And uh, that was the beginning of many friendships within that circle, as well as uh, the older students in that circle, really kind of like teaching me how to uh, interact with what led to be um, kind of work culture for me. The things I learned in those circles is basic. the way I react and act in those circles is the way I now act within work culture in Japan, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I found that to be very helpful. Yeah, I think it's definitely important in my opinion, not just uh, the social aspect of getting to know people in school, if you're going to go to school in Japan uh, mm -hmm. to join a club. But yeah, it, it shows character whenever you're applying for jobs in the future as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. What most of these circles comprised of as far as events um and so springtime is when university and all school actually begins in japan as opposed to many western uh cultures that i believe start in the fall all growing up my schools in high school and university the uh, year started in the fall so springtime is when the school year starts in japan and they have a festival where all, where all the clubs and circles have a stall and all the students go to basically see all the clubs see what they have to offer and kind of get a sense for the atmosphere that the club has to offer kind of many clubs and circles in school become kind of famous or infamous i guess sometimes for being more serious into sports or more often the case being very non-serious and kind of like a party circle yeah. so you can kind of get that vibe just with going to the stalls like they'll be selling alcohol or something like that and kind of like <laughs> playing games or something like chanting and being kind of more wild or you can get a sense like right when you go to the stall that they're all very serious about photography their sports i'm sorry i keep using the same examples just um the ones that i joined which yeah I was very absolutely about. um were you in a club in american schools i was in um i don't think so actually i did join a couple in the beginning i did join the judo club, judo uh, club. but that did translate basically into classes and they were only mm -hmm. a club because they were on student uh campus and then i did join the photography club which probably is not gotcha. a surprise because uh, I had immense interest in that, which was great. And um, I did join a club in Japan, too, at that school, uh, which is the Bukatsu, which is the more serious one. And that was for photography. And immediately I could tell the difference between the tennis circle I joined and the uh, photography club, which I joined. The tennis circle, we would meet once a week. We would play tennis, not really seriously at all. There were some people there that would not play tennis at all, actually. And then everyone would go out to get dinner and drinks afterwards. And then after that, they would go to a house party, usually, which was very fun and a great way to get to know people. Um, the photography club, on the other hand, would meet once a week and it would be essentially like another class. It would almost seem like a job. We were all yeah. assigned roles and yeah, we'd be uh, assigned like photography assignments, basically. And every two months, they would have a gallery, a photography gallery. So everyone would be assigned roles on how to best set that up. And uh, oh, wow, that's so serious. Very different atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah, I was uh -huh. actually in a photography club myself and it was hey, just uh, a group of people that met up at um, one of the big parks in downtown. And nice. we would walk around the city and just do street and landscape photography and portraits and stuff. But it was like we didn't have roles or assignments or classes about it. It was just all all of us just walking like a herd, taking <sighs> photos together and just discussing That's stuff awesome. we like to do with our cameras. So I love it. And what uh -huh. type of cameras are out there. So Yeah, right? And I believe things like that can be so uh, helpful for learning a trade or a skill or a hobby. Did you find that to be the case for that? Yeah, definitely. There was a, a, It allowed me to also like try out other people's cameras that I've never tried before. So like I've always been a Nikon guy and then people would mm -hmm. show me a Canon and I'm like, I still don't like these. Um, <laughs> Fair. Fair I've, I've always been a Nikon guy and even testing out Canon. Yeah. 
Yep. Oh, don't don't make me grab mine. <laughs> Yo, it's all good. I'm although, Canon all the way, but yeah, it's fair. Although I had a friend reach out to me just two weeks ago, and he had um, a Canon Rebel T6 with two lenses he wanted to sell for 250 and i thought okay. about it i was like that's not a bad price it sounds and good to me then right? he messaged me like a couple days ago because i guess he didn't sell it yet and he's like i'll sell mm -hmm. it to you for a hundred and i'm like oh, oh a motivated I seller might buy that now so nice. but yeah no nice. I, I i've actually thought about switching from nikon to sony I, I think i've discussed that with you so oh yeah me too actually i'm thinking about switching from canon to sony, sony so. alpha series are just wow it's been killing it 100 um, percent cameras aside <laughs> yeah um, true true but yeah um back to clubs i actually yeah. um started a club at my university that's right i did want to talk about that that's fantastic um the club that i started was more because there was nothing like it they didn't have any classes targeting branding so mm -hmm. i went to school for digital design um i got associates in applied science uh for digital design um probably what i'll finish my bachelor's in is filmography but um yeah, there was all these business management major kids that I hung out with, and then I had all these kids that were doing graphic design and such, and I thought, well, there's a lot of graphic designers that need to start their business, but they're not yep. doing business majors. They do take some business management courses, but at the same time, there's these kids who do business management that have no mm -hmm. idea about the design aspect of mm -hmm. starting a business from start, you know, from scratch. Yeah. So I was like, why don't I just start a club called Brand Yourself? You know, reached out to it. a few of my professors. They reached out to a few administrators. And then within days, they said, hey, here's the room you have. Here's the day of the week you can have nice. it. And I put up a few flyers. And within the first two weeks, I had like 40 people that met up once a week to, you know, it was mm -hmm. kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You, yeah, you, man, you had that these is so designers awesome. Designers that would show like the design aspect of starting a business, and the yeah. business professionals explaining the business side back and forth, and everyone was able uh, to brainstorm off each other. So, dang, bro, and I wish still, yeah. they still have that club. Surprisingly, at my university, Woo, so they still got yes. it going. Dang, I wish you were at my university. Honestly, that sounds such a powerful, like such a powerful club, and it's true. I networking studied, is key, yeah. man. Networking oh, yeah, is key. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, exactly as you put it, I studied digital media and nowhere in any of my classes was how to market yourself yeah. once you graduate. You have all these skills, all these, all the software you can use. Uh, they, they barely touch upon how to organize your resume and how to have a real or portfolio or whatever, a portfolio. Um, but and getting, and it's, uh -huh. it is kind of BS because in the design world, regardless mm -hmm. if you are designing websites or a logo or an infographic yeah. or whatever your design aspect is, if it's something you're trying to do professionally as a career, you're more than likely going to freelance more than you are going to work for someone else. That's where most yeah. of your in income is going to come through, at least at first. And they don't mm -hmm. tell you that. And they need to tell that to you. Um, right. I was also kind of fortunate enough that whenever I had taken... Uh, the color management course um, to like discuss like just the spectrum of colors and how to use them uh, to pair them and how they work together uh -huh. with branding. Yeah. Um, that teacher also kind of like went off the syllabus to teach her, her students. So I was kind mm -hmm. of really fortunate that I had that professor, but she, she went out, out of her way to teach students how to freelance as well, how to start, oh, that's your, so start fantastic. your own business. And I wish I'm I had that. So happy that I had a teacher that offered that because, like, why don't they have like an right? actual full course about this specific topic? So that's why I started yeah. the club. Points, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I again, I wish I had that club when I was in school. I, the photography club in Japan did touch upon that a bit, but again, my Japanese level at that point was shaky enough to where I was barely just kind of like supporting the club as much as I possibly could. And to be quite honest, the whole club did recognize my language and cultural understanding was less than uh, what it should have been probably to be an active member of the club. However, mm -hmm. so they did probably give me a lesser important role than I should have, and they really did help me out and support me, which was great. And um, that taught me a lot about how, like an image of maturity in, I believe all of Japanese culture really does kind of consist of being interdependent and being a powerful member of the group. So the group as a whole can work um, as a functioning unit, unit, which is a very cool insight that I don't think I really would have picked up on if I didn't join these clubs and circles. Uh, and I'm sure that, and I'm sure even as an adult outside of school, that there's clubs that you can yeah. join. Like absolutely, me, me for instance, I I'm I'm in like several different like social media clubs that I thrive oh, heck in, yeah. and I love That's them. Fantastic! I'm in a moped club. 
you know, Dang. mopeds for Central Ohio. Like, dude, Fire. so many people that blew my mind. How many people what? ride mopeds? I yeah. my because my friend had seven of them in his garage. I'm like, why do you have so many mopeds? And he's like, dude, you gotta check That's out this club. Sent me an invite and I was in. So Dang. yeah, they they do like weekly meetups in the summer, and uh, there's like a Central Ohio Subaru Club. Ooh, I got a Subaru, yeah. so everyone that you get like 30 people show up in their STIs, WRXs, Imprezas, whatnot, and even I'm a few people that. with like supercars, like Lotuses and you know Ferraris no and whatnot. And we all meet up like once a month, and we go down to like Hocking Hills and cruise through the backcountry roads together in like one massive line of Subarus. Yeah, like Bro, there's, so there's, cool. there's 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 definitely clubs out there, and yeah. when you get out of mm-hmm. school. I think it's it's I think it's good to be part of like a, a community of something you're passionate about. Hundred percent. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. And um, if you are traveling even to Japan without a student or working here too, uh, I often recommend Meetup.com mm-hmm. is uh, a website I think that does propagate just promoting these meetings and uh, joining these meetings. They have that operates also in major major cities in Japan. They mainly have ones. Uh, for English practice in Osaka and Tokyo. So if you come here to travel or work, you can meet people that want to practice English. Um, but another thing you touched upon, I think it's so key to make friends across cultural or language barriers based on a common interest. And that is yeah. another huge thing that uh, happened with joining these school clubs. Not to mention, I got a really, I think I got a really raw view of Japanese student life that I would not have seen as an exchange student. Not in the club so much, but in the parties of the circles. Um, just how, so. This is another big difference between school life, I think, in Japan and the States. In the States, a majority of my uh, excursions, I think, were to house parties. Because yeah. uh, students rent share houses. That um, tends some, to be anywhere in America. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter where you are. <laughs> exactly, I think so. However, in Japan, uh, being like in bigger cities, most places all over actually, many people live in apartments where you really can't have, you can't fit a house party in an apartment, not to mention the noise and the crap like oh yeah it wouldn't work uh-huh so we, but we how- had that mm-hmm. issue at the ski resorts that i would work at because like all the employee uh-huh. housing was like these uh pods oh, yeah. of three bedrooms but shared living and kitchen spaces uh-huh, and everyone uh-huh. so you'd have like one guy host a party and his two yeah. roommates had no idea what was going on they'd come home to 50 <sighs> people in their house and they're like that's wild and i can't go to sleep because i got all these people in my house partying yeah it, uh-huh. it was chaos yeah i know exactly what you mean like right it, yeah yeah it's not it's not logical you shouldn't do it and mm-hmm. yeah I, so true <laughs> you couldn't do that and in an apartment <laughs> i know and i really wish they had all the alternatives in america that they have in japan so mm-hmm. i think i don't know if if this is mainly meant for students but they have like rental rooms at izakaya's where you can go to have like a party with like 50, 60 people and then everyone pays usually $20 each. First of all, yeah. you get all you can drink, all you can eat uh, service for about an hour, two hours, which is great. And that's usually the uh, pregame called Ichikai. Some are even up to three hours. Mm-hmm. Some, yeah, some yeah, exactly. Yeah. All you can drink, all you can eat food with all your friends. And that was such a fun experience. Uh, I learned all the Japanese drinking games there, which were another really interesting element about the culture. And it was great Japanese language courses, not to mention, again, the friendships I forged there. And then the after party usually is renting a huge karaoke room. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta go karaoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and again, they have ones, uh, most places I've seen in Japan, in all the circles and clubs I joined for their events. They usually do this weekly, too. The karaoke room really looks like a club, just like a full club that you all mm-hmm. rent out. Again, this is usually $20 a person. Oftentimes, that does include uh, all you can drink, too. However, there's not usually food at the karaoke one, and which is a lot of fun. And again, this is cool because not only are you bonding over a uh, whatever sort of uh, hobby or uh, sport the club or the circle does revolve around, but you also can just bond over music, which is yeah. a fun thing that you can connect with people from any culture, I think, also. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are great experiences. And then oftentimes, too, you have the after-party, Sanjikai. That is when the students do split up into other groups. They go back to the apartments. Or if it's summer, you all just go out by the river or to a park, and uh, you just have a bunch of students around there hanging out. So those are just very important memories of my student life here, all because I got to join the student clubs and circles, which, again, I'm so lucky I feel like I had a chance to join just through random circumstances because no teachers or advisors told me about them. And again, like, I don't think that's a slant to the teachers or advisors. They all did a fantastic job. And to be quite honest, I probably would have been a better student if I didn't join these circles or clubs. <laughs> yeah, that's but... probably why they, the, the <sighs> yeah. professors and teachers didn't mention them. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you might <laughs> slack a little bit if you uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they would all hang out until 6 in the morning morning seven in the morning give you time regardless of class being the next day or not um but i do think i got a level of education through these because that i probably would not have gained 
in class, mm -hmm. which is cool too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I, th I think the traditional way of uh, working now is not so much the traditional way that our parents thought. Any kid can mm -hmm. Twitch stream them playing video games and make yeah. a living off of it. You know, they yeah. can become a YouTuber, they can become a, a TikToker like yourself, you know, and they can literally make a living off of it if they do mm -hmm. well, if they are successful, they have a following and it's not yeah. a traditional way of working. And it's weird that like um, your parents, your family will praise you to whenever you get a job that you hate, they're like, oh, you got a job flipping burgers. Good for you, you know? But yeah. once you tell them that you're gonna go home and play video games and live stream, even if you make a profit off of it, they're like, why don't you just go get a real job? It's like, this mm -hmm. is a real job. So, yeah. you know, I think exactly. in the sense of like hanging out with people that, in clubs that are passionate about your the things that you're passionate about, whatever mm -hmm. the skill set is, even if it is a hobby, who mm -hmm. knows what kind of clubs are gonna come out in the future? You know, there's probably uh -huh. gonna be esports clubs yes. you know and such and you yeah. already got internet cafes and gamer cafes in japan that are starting mm -hmm. to blow up like crazy and mm -hmm. for all we know students are going to have clubs right yeah. during school where they meet up and play video games all day and they end up making a living on esports and Heck youtube yeah. and all of that stuff right it's not I traditional it. but guess what it's going to be nothing traditional is out the window this yeah, is 2021 no. we so, have the so internet true. we have all this technology we have all these options yeah, there's no it. excuse for anyone to not find you know their niche their 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 thing and make a living off of it you know? i love that that's so true exactly yeah uh-huh i'm sure yeah. you didn't expect to just blow up overnight from one viral video that you posted on tiktok no, am i wrong not at all not yeah, at all. I had no just, idea about that. It just that. happened out of nowhere. You right? you were yeah. just a guy always behind, you know, on the other side of the camera. Now you're the guy in front of the camera. Exactly. You know? That was a bizarre and, twist of fate, actually. <laughs> yeah. And uh -huh. now now you're doing it. Not now you're doing something you enjoy doing, and yeah. inevitably making profit off of it on the side. Yeah, exactly. So. I love it. Uh huh. And that's so true. That all did come from um really not through a traditional uh path of education but really just kind of pursuing what i wanted to do and i mean diligently pursuing it learning the language mm -hmm. of japan because my content is all japan related i don't think i would be able to talk about this if i didn't have you know four f four years or so of experience and not to mention yeah back to student clubs and stuff getting that sort of like first-hand experience uh seeing how people react here uh i guess organically and back to your point also about education uh non-traditional education i think the fact all the work experiences I have here, all the business interactions here, they very much mirror uh, the interactions I had in those circles and clubs. That's um, yeah. you know, the way that I was taught to respect my elders there and have the elders kind of like lead me to teach me how to react within these so social settings mm -hmm. in the school clubs is the exact same process in which I meet my clients, my coworkers, my bosses as working in media in Japan and kind of like following their lead, pouring their alcohol, uh, serving their food and having them lead. And then the same thing when I have uh, work with people younger than me, the second year that I was a student here, uh, I kind of took example from what was taught with me by the senpai, the people above me, and I tried to kind of lead and teach the people below me. Granted, I was still learning all this stuff for myself, so I did take a back seat in that too, uh, yeah. trying to be a senpai. But I learned all that, and I think I can express some of that and teach some of that in my media did too. Did it feel weird to mm -hmm. you whenever people younger than you in Japan started like look, started treating you like a senpai oh so weird yeah yeah because because you're not it's just something you're not used to it's exactly. definitely something that we're used to to uh be taught by those mm -hmm. you know um yeah regardless of age in america if yeah. you're better at a skill set then we listen to you i don't care mm -hmm. if you're younger or older than me if i want to exactly learn from you, i'm gonna listen but mm -hmm. the fact that age is a is a construct that's still looked at as a serious thing in Japan where yeah. if you're older than someone, then you should respect them more. Uh-huh, 100%. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that would be strange for me at first, too. Like, yeah. If I, do, if I was in mm -hmm. Japan for a couple of years and uh, out of nowhere, my friend, uh, you know, I, I met a few people that are younger than me and they started taking me as a uh, leader role. I don't know. Uh -huh. It would be weird. It's strange, right? Exactly. And you do hit a good point. Um, the fact that age plays such a strong factor in Japanese culture, I think, does rely upon the fact that these circles, these clubs, uh, school, and then work in general, too, really does have a very uniform sort of uh, progression. For example, people are ex expected to join a cer at a certain age, uh, join... Mm -hmm 
and uh, then slowly progress upwards. And that's kind of like uh, remaining at one company is very much rewarded in Japan because people, if you are long there older at the company, you are have been you have been there longer at the company. You are expected to learn to know a certain amount of stuff and be able to teach the people. Uh, that are joining new, and in return, they are gonna show you an amount of respect. And same with the school clubs, basically. Um, it's、yeah. very much mirrored that societal thing. Like you can't actually, you can't join school clubs for the most part if you are not a freshman and you are not joining in、um, that springtime there. Otherwise, you won't work within the system.、Yeah. Uh, like you will be a certain the same age as all the other people that have the experience,、um, but you won't be able、but、to. But you would have the, the freshman、mm-hmm. mindset. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. I didn't understand that in the beginning, but now I understand why that is the case.、Mm-hmm. And it was weird. Suddenly, like, just I honestly, I was very comfortable being like the, like, co- the youngest. Like, choose your club when you're a freshman. Exactly, that's another good point. Or else you won't have a club. Uh huh. And、uh, yeah, I do. I did think that was kind of <laughs> brutal actually first. And the the second I heard that, I went wild. I joined thirteen clubs and circles. Just、uh, to find out which one you liked. Exactly. I had like a fear. <laughs> I had like a sinking fear of like finality of my student time in Japan because I knew I only had about two years, and I was like, it's not the full four years that everyone also have, and that was sad to me. But at the same time, I was like, all right, shock and effect. This you were just burning the liked, candle at both ends, man. <laughs> I yeah, I can't. I don't know how I survived those two years, but they were fantastic, and it was great. I made so many friends, and I learned so much from. Do it while you're young. That's all I gotta say. Do it while you're、right? young. I did it. Exactly. I did it. I burned the candle on both ends. Yeah, man. Stop when I was. So young, I hear.、Man. Working、non-stop. in like ski lodges and stuff like that too. Oh yeah, dude. I, working on ski resorts in the winter, beaches in the summer for、mm-hmm. eight seasons. Winter,、uh, like five seasons summer. It's yeah, it, it's a toll, you know.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Without but, a doubt. Holy crap! I don't regret it. I met so many people. I traveled so、yeah. many different places. I did so many different like extreme sports and hurt myself so many times doing it for fun, like. You know, yeah, I'm 30 now, but I feel like I'm 50 from how many times <laughs> I hurt myself when I was 19. <laughs> I mean, hey, snowboarding, yeah, snowboarding is an intense sport, and you were、uh, snowboarding, you, kiteboarding,、mm-hmm. surfing, like yeah, it all stacks, you know. You you had sponsors as a snowboarder too, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. Dang man, that's、yep. awesome. So that's snowboarding at a very extreme level. That's fantastic, bro. Yeah. I yeah.、That. I don't.、Mm-hmm. I wish they I just,、uh, paid me rather than just gave me free swag. <laughs> yeah, that, that would probably. Be But hey,、deal. I'll take a free snowboard and some free snow gear for、uh, a sponsorship. Why not? <laughs> I would love that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't look back with any regrets upon that. That too. And of course, like I did after I joined the Thirteen Clubs, I found the clubs that had a culture. Again, they have really unique cultures. Each one of them, they have like things they're famous for. The ones that really suited me best. I stuck with two tennis circles. One that was very serious. I made some good friends there. They really taught me how to do tennis better. And one that was famous for not playing tennis. They only play tennis one time a year, and then they just kind of party the rest of it.、Um, <laughs> so they were, were、yeah. ten- they were a tennis club, but they were not a tennis club. Yeah, and I've n- learned now that they were like are... a beer pong club. <laughs> Basically, yeah.、Uh-huh. Tennis clubs, tennis circles are actually popular famous. Popular in Japan. There's no beer pong. There are、oh. a hu- there are hundred plus drinking games that are crazy, and they're cool because they include everybody. They're called batsu batsu game. Like、uh, penalty games, and they include、yeah. everybody usually in a circle, rhythmic, kind of going around a circle, kind of like King's Cup if you're familiar with that. Oh、uh, yeah, one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. one of them is, is called Yamanote Sun Game. It's exactly like categories, which is part of part of King's Cup.、Mm-hmm. And that was another cool thing to learn too. I still have all the chants and stuff in my mind, nostalgic.、Uh, I like I like the、mm-hmm. uh, drinking game that I've played damn near everywhere I've ever been. Yeah, and it's the one where everyone taps the table and then one person does this or whatever, and then they、oh. do a different motion, and then the person after them has to do both of them and then make up a third one, and the person、oh. after them has to make up a fourth one, but also yeah, yeah, in order. If they mess、uh-huh. any of them up, they have to drink. And that's it.、Uh-huh. It's it, but the more you drink and the more you do it. The easier、yeah. it is to mess up, and it's that that one I've played. Every state I've lived in, every country I've been to, everyone knows that drinking game. I love、and、that. They have the same、I've, one in Japan too.、Uh-huh. See, yeah, it's, it's yeah, you, such a fun game. <laughs> you just build upon the actions. It's called like mozzarella. It's called I think it's literally called the mozzarella cheese game. Well, there's so many. One's called the, the mozzarella, mozzarella cheese, cheese game. Yeah, <laughs> but the twist on that one is each action has to get visibly more intense than the last one, visibly more louder or more、mm-hmm. wild. And if the consensus of the group is that your action was not more wild than the previous one, then you're out. Then, and, and then you got to you lose too. And there's one that doesn't have that element too. It's called the some other kind of cheese. I forgot exactly. 
but we can do a whole nother podcast on drinking. Oh yeah, too. we could we could definitely. Uh-huh. Do that. <laughs> and I again, I'm so glad I'm so glad I got the chance to do this. And I do want to end a lot of our segments now that I think about it, of kind of like recapping all we talked about into some sort of advice, condensing stuff into advice we might have for people that want to travel, study abroad, or work abroad. Mm-hmm. And uh, for this one, I guess as many could guess, definitely. Uh, push for joining student clubs or circles if you are going abroad and you know if you're here studying abroad uh, circles would be easier the honestly the club the photography club was a mission it was a lot of work it was like a whole nother class but I learned a lot from that mm-hmm. so I hope you get that chance and, and regardless uh, mm-hmm. even if you are someone who doesn't like doing clubs just have fun just yeah oh yeah enjoy uh-huh. your stay and right try to do something different every day because you're somewhere yes I love that you man know? that's 100% part something of it different it's so so true. Mm-hmm. I really. I'm wondering if anybody has any questions that we can answer. Uh, sorry, yeah, I've been uh-huh. kind of uh, neglecting everyone's comments today, but I don't yeah. know who's all still here. Um, mm-hmm. But we can take a look and see if anyone has any comments that we could answer. Yeah, let's uh, let's scroll through that. That sounds like a good idea. And thank you for listening. That basically wraps up our topic on uh, my experience on student clubs and circles in Japan. I just I have to name out some of the cool ones I joined. Um, so tennis circle was very cool. Basketball circle, those are all very self-explanatory. Uh, there's light music circle, which was very cool. Um, Brandon, I know you're also a musician. Um, yes. But light music club, yeah, it's called Kaon Circle, Kaon Sakuru. It means uh, it's basically if you play an instrument or if you're a singer or if you have interest at all in usually uh, rock music, but music in general, you join these circles. Um, there are different ones in this school that usually have different genres. I joined one of these um, as a bass player because uh, I played bass and guitar, but uh, my friend lent me a bass. So you join these um, circles and you state what sort of instrument you play, and then they put you or you put yourself into bands. You uh, choose songs to cover and you practice these songs, and then they hold festivals where you That's play these wild. cover songs That's for so people. Cool. It's so much fun. I had That's so I made dope. amazing friends. Yeah, I loved that backwards and forwards. Um, and if you were just and now. if you're just crap at an instrument, you can just be like the sound guy. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. They had they had people too that were just part of it. They and then of course you have crazy parties after the festivals. It's such a fun, inclusive environment, and uh, I made great friends there. I was not that good at bass and guitar, and I'm if. I don't think anyone knows because I never sing, but I'm an awful singer. But the fact that I could speak English, they put me trying to sing some of these songs just for the naturally, fact that... yeah, exactly. So that was embarrassing, but I had so much fun, and yeah. So there, there are some of the most embarrassing moments are the ones you remember for the rest of your life as the most fond moments. So true that, yeah. I can't tell you how many yeah. times I would go to like karaoke, and I'm like, I am not going up there. You'll never see me up there. <laughs> Ten beers uh-huh. later, I'm like, I'm singing <laughs> there we go no exactly 200 strangers <laughs> yeah yeah looks like yourself. um lizard bot wants to know what your favorite spot in japan to take photos is that's a great question uh top it off with some that's kind of obvious but a mission to get to the top of mount fuji during the sunrise it's epic uh it looks like half half just alien crater planet just above the clouds um looks like another world and then there's also the ancient japanese temples and stuff like that around there too and not to mention like a ramen vending machine it's such a surreal area the sunrise there is just a harsh light so definitely if you have a reflector to make it so your photos aren't a silhouette it's an amazing place for i think low-key if i was in japan i would Mm -hmm. um find abandoned buildings because there's a lot of them and a lot of them no they're just open for people to enter they yeah don't have security they don't have no trespassing because no one really owns it the banks it's not like america where like you see an abandoned building it's locked up and the banks are like no you can't go in there and japan's a little bit different you see a abandoned building you just walk in just be careful because if you get hurt it's your fault yeah um, again they very much trust people same with alcohol yeah, yeah. exactly they're awesome um, <laughs> but we have what would uh, what would have to be your fondest memory of these clubs? Oh, thank you! I love that question so much. I'm just gonna throw out two more two more places for the last question. Uh, Kawaramachi Kyoto is a great place for photography. Ooh. A great riverside, a lot of traditional stuff, and then. Um, to counter that, Odaiba is like looks like it's from the future. They have a very like brutalist, almost uh, futuristic architecture all over the place with uh, their shopping mall, their car museum. They have a giant Gundam statue there too, and it's right Osaka's by the ocean Osaka's like too. that too, man. Yeah, like right Umeda. there in like the middle of Osaka. You you 
it's like Blade Runner, just how much I LEDs love it. and you know lights and stuff there are. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's super absolutely. Super futuristic architecture. Yeah, so if those are the places. Top of Mount Fuji, Kawaramachi, Kyoto, and then Odaiba by Tokyo. Three places I love to take photos in Japan. And now for my best memory from the circles and clubs. That's a great question. Um, we went, so something that these circles all do, it's called Gashuku. It means a, a trip. So you have Natsu Gashuku, which is the summer club trip. Uh, and then usually have uh, Haru Gashuku, which is the spring trip. And I went on several of these. Uh, one of them was on a ferry. The whole club gets together as a group. We went on a ferry to an island to go uh, camping there. Usually they take place at these old Japanese houses called uh, Ryokan, which also have a hot spring in them. And then you all sleep together kind of on the floor. Just everyone kind of brings a sleeping bag and you have like a tatami to sleep on there. And yeah. a huge party room also. Those are amazing memories. Let's pinpoint one in specific. Uh, the most kind of like notorious party tennis circle I joined. I think it's safe to say the name Purple. Um, like all the party circles and clubs at my school, I shouldn't say the name. They all had either the name of a color like purple, white, orange, orangey, or the name of a fruit. Strawberry, cherry, something like that. I don't know why. Anyway, so we went to a... Uh, to Fukui all all for our summer trip. We stayed by the beach. We had a beach barbecue, which was so much fun. Uh, we did play tennis that time, which was great. I did like playing tennis. <laughs> we did and actually then, play tennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we had uh, Undokai, which we played other games like that after like only go like a big game of tag with penalties and stuff like that. And anyway, so then it comes nighttime. We all take like go to the hot springs. The boys and girls separate. We play uh, and then they, we kind of hang out. All and that's also when they have like. A ceremony where because it's uh, summertime where you kind of like recognize all the new students and you kind of like tell stories about crazy events from the past clubs a lot of these mm -hmm. clubs and circles have been around yeah for 50 plus years so they have like legacies which are very interesting That's so cool. you hear like yeah you hear stories about like famous people that were in these circles or clubs and stuff like that but or anyway then the after people party. who are like currently famous yeah yeah exactly because of the club but like oh yeah name. uh like current yeah. like you know no no one like crazy famous but current like successful or famous mm -hmm. people that were in these clubs uh one some a famous animator that did like animation on uh uh one of the uh gundam series was like in this tennis club but i didn't understand most of the other names to be honest but anyway then they take you into the big room too which was the most wild party too just overlooking the ocean a big traditional japanese like a uh, room and then they covered all the floor with plastic and the walls with plastic too to be honest it looked like a murder room from like the dexter <laughs> so a little bit scary and then they just have a pile of like drinks and food in the center and it was the most fun party i ever have had just like overlooking the beach that fireworks and yeah sorry this i'm sure is the a, plastic a was there to half. protect the uh oh yeah though, for sure. uh from i mean with these games people are at some Mistakes. point, I'm not proud of it, yeah, spilling alcohol everywhere. And another thing, too, like, as crazy as they got, everyone was super respectful of the locations. Do they do party fouls there? Where, like, if you uh, yeah. spill a drink, you have to, like, do push yeah. or something? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So one of the roles of the the seniors, the top people at the top level, they call people out, and they have something called call, which is kind of like a chant that one person chants. They just, like, like, nonde, 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 and then they say the person's name. Nonde means drink. And then if someone sees someone doing a party foul, it's called batsu. Batsu just means X like you a penalty so if someone uh like some of them aren't even like a party foul if you go to the bathroom during the game and you come back they do that to you <laughs> or yeah if you that could be if a party you, foul <laughs> if you yeah exactly because people if have you, to like, wait for you <laughs> no yeah that's exactly it then they call you out on that if you tell a bad joke or something so do the sign uh they say if they say like that's good bad how joke many, how they, many times did you tell a bad joke and a lot a lot because <laughs> i tried to be sarcastic humor no, I blamed yeah. it on that. To be quite honest, some of them were legitimately bad jokes, which I deserve, but some of them are. But also, also sarcasm's not <laughs> like a legit thing yeah. in too many mm -hmm. groups. Yeah, uh. so <laughs> those are really cool. So that was an amazing memory. And then it just went to the sunrise, and then when the sun rose over the ocean, we all just went out to the ocean, jumped in the sea, which was, you know, summertime in Fukui, just amazing warm ocean in the middle of just the morning. That was so, yeah, that was an experience I'll never forget. Many of the people from that time are still my great friends. It's now, one of those one of those days where you wake up in the morning and you, you see that sunrise and you're like, man, this is, this is nice. Yeah, it was great. I'm I love that memory. This day for the rest of my life. Uh, very unique, something I don't think I would have experienced any other circumstance in America or Japan. So, yeah, that's it. And so I really recommend, again, joining student clubs if you get a chance to. And then if you're coming for travel or work here to Japan, uh, check out meetup groups, meetup.com, or oftentimes they'll have bulletins on the Koban, on the 
police station for events or for groups that are looking for members. They have pickup games for sports, and uh, those are also great ways to build a social circle here around a, a hobby or a shared interest with people, regardless if you're working, traveling here, or what have you. So, I do have just mm -hmm. one more question that I saw here that I thought would yes. be interesting. I don't have the answer for it, but it says, can foreigners become a part of Japanese police force? That's a great question. I have no idea, to be quite that's honest. that's something we might have to research. Man. Yeah, I know. I have no idea. There's, uh -huh. there's one, uh, like, white guy in the police force in Osaka. I don't, I've just seen him around. And yeah. I did, like, a double, I did, like, a double take the first time, to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah, I've never, like, wait a just like, minute. what? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then everyone I was with kind of, like, just already knew, yeah, I've seen him I around, think, so. I think every industry in Japan needs, like, that token white guy. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of jobs uh -huh. out there actually as a foreigner where you can just be that token foreigner and not actually do anything. They just yeah. want to have like an American guy there. No, it could be the case without a doubt. And I will also say too that, you know, regardless of you can be Japanese, regardless of what your heritage and race is like, you know, this guy might have grown up all in Japan. I have some friends here that their parents are from Jamaica, um, so they just look like a just a black person not like a japanese person but they're just as japanese as anyone yeah. that has japanese blood in their veins i would say as far as i'm concerned so mm -hmm. i don't know this guy's story i just say that i've seen that guy uh just he looks basically as white as i do uh just <laughs> in full japanese uniform in perfect japanese he was telling someone to slow down on the bicycle if you see him again you should double take if you see him again you should approach him you yeah should. let's interview this dude uh, exactly ask him just mm -hmm. just just simply ask are you japanese or are you yeah, foreign and I will. if he is foreign say you just answered a question i was wondering which is let's bring him on the podcast can, can foreigners be you know yeah. added onto the japanese police force so, yeah exactly so i don't but, know if that's the case but i'll research that thank you actually i've been taking notes about stuff for this podcast and all the other things i'm if for people listening i'm holding up my notebook to the screen you can definitely hit Wes up on his live streams on TikTok as well. He does a lot yeah. of Q&As on there. A lot. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I try to do that whenever I can. I'll be doing that again at some point today, probably in two hours, after I go get some food after this podcast goes. <laughs> uh, podcast is done. And, yeah, thanks for these questions, by the way. I really appreciate this. And I think since the podcast is wrapping up now, uh, we'll throw out some of the logistics, too. Uh, if you do have comments or questions or stories of your own about travel that you would like us to cover or even read out and share on this podcast you can email us at podcast at westmather.com uh, with questions comments or stories of your own and then we can go into depth on that if you ask that question in that um i could research it i could we could definitely talk about that so that we can definitely go in depth with any of these and comments. please for any listeners if you do have your own stories we would love to read them out loud yeah, send us exactly. your stories. We want some good stories. Uh, we just uh, pretty much got this email up and live uh, recently, and we're just waiting for you guys as uh, stories to share with the rest of the world. So that's right, exactly. And I, I have only done so much in my time here. So at some point, I'm gonna run out of things I've done <laughs> or things I've seen. All right. But yeah, well, I, I think that definitely wraps it up for the tonight. What do you say? Wes? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for joining us uh, for the Travel Japan with Wes Mather podcast season one episode nine we are chugging along here thank you brandon bates by the way major shout out to my co-host here he's done so much of the technical um elements of this podcast this whole countdown if you're watching this on youtube or twitch right now this whole setup with all this stuff around here he did all that and uh much respect for anyone that has not known that in the past and yeah. season yeah season one is going to wrap up at the 12th episode so we have two episodes um left in this season and thank you three. for your time three, three I studied Japanese, not math. Anyway, uh, <laughs> later, y'all. Thank you Fair for joining enough. us. Take care, and guys. And we are out.